back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, and I am thrilled to have Ryan with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with a little bit of your background and kind of how you're involved in the agriculture industry and what you're up to these days. Okay. So I'm a fifth generation cattle rancher in southern Idaho and northeast Nevada. My great great-grandfather settled in this area in 1878, and we've been ranching ever since. I live here with my wife, Jackie, and we have six kids from 13 to two. So it seems like lately I've been doing a lot of chasing them around. We're just getting into junior high sports, and it's a lot. But anyway, we're doing that. Things are a little slower on the ranch right now. We're still trying to graze a little bit until the end of the year, hopefully. So it gives me a little bit more time to haul meat around. We sell our beef direct to consumer, and this time of year is pretty busy trying to get meat to everybody who is trying to get it for Christmas. So doing a lot of that. You guys in southern Idaho have had a lot more snow than we have in Montana, which is abnormal, I think. Yeah, it was a, this has been a wet year. It was a really wet spring and a really wet summer. The fall wasn't terrible. It's been a fairly wet I guess, I guess it's not technically winter yet, so late fall, but yeah. Yeah, we. I just looked at the forecast. It does not look like we are going to even have a white Christmas. So it's quite a year in Montana. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how you guys made the decision, one, to come back to the family operation, and two, how you made the decision to kind of diversify into the farm-to-table opportunity. Okay, so I went and got my bachelor's degree in finance, business management from finance, and I did a few other things for a few years. I was a door-to-door salesman there for like five years, and I did well with that. The thing was, though, that it, it sucked. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't fun to do that. And uh, anyway, I, it wasn't the way I wanted to raise my family. And when my wife got pregnant with our first baby, we decided that it was time to to move back, and we've been back. Oh, I think going on fourteen years now. It's been it's been good. About two years ago, we decided that we would dive into the direct to consumer beef sales. That's been a lot of fun. It's been pretty eye opening. I see a lot of potential there for the future, so I think it's a good time to get into that. Are you? the only sibling that came back or do you have siblings? I have four siblings, but I'm the only one that's back at the ranch. My dad and my uncle are the, are the ranch owners. And then I have a cousin as well. And then a few hired guys that work for us. So, so a very similar situation to what a lot of family operations are in. How did you guys have to get everyone on board when you decided to do farm to table or how did that conversation happen? Were you able to separate it as your own entity or talk us through a little bit of the logistics of that? 
Yeah, we set it up as a separate entity. My cousin and I both, as the next generation, wanted to kind of create more opportunities that we were responsible for and that we could we could take ownership in. So we set it up a little bit different. The ranch still owns a portion of it, but my cousin and I and the ranch are equal partners in the business. And anyway, it's a separate entity. We got going in it because I have been on social media for a few years and I've built a little bit of a following and people ask me, do you guys sell your beef? And Anyway, I just see a lot of opportunity there with the social media. And so that's kind of what we use to, to launch it and to build our initial customer base was through social media. I think farm to table is an option that a lot of probably our listeners are considering in the future. Talk a little bit about some things that were harder than you expected, because I think that social media makes it look really easy and doable and without any kinks or anything like that. And I'm not sure farm to table is the right option for every family. And so talk a little bit about kind of some of those lessons that you learned when you first got started. I think the biggest, because it's like you say, lots of people have tried to do it in the past or thinking about doing it. The biggest thing is that you need to find, you need to have a way to market. You need to have a way to access customers. It's not like you're like put up a sign outside and they flock in it because as a direct to consumer producer, you're going to be more expensive. And so there's, you got to overcome that with your, with your customers. You got to teach them why it's more expensive. So I think the biggest thing that people need to realize is you got to have a way to get the meat to the customer in front of the customer, be that social media, or if you're going to uh, go out and hit the farmer's markets or other events and deal with your customers. I think the biggest thing for farm to table, at least on the scale we're doing it is just being able to go and directly interact with your customers. You need to be able to, to talk to them. I have a lot of my customers have my cell number will text me, text me pictures or, Hey, I need I need this. Anyway, so I try, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's the way you have to do it. You have to, you have to be ready to really deal with people. If you like that, which I do, it's not, a, it's not an issue. I like to talk to people. I like to, as I said before, I used to be a door to door salesman and I was successful with that, but I didn't have the same belief in the product as I do being the rancher and being able to see every aspect of it. I mean, I see calves born, I see calves weaned, I see calves get fattened, I take them to the to slaughter. We're the ones who pack the boxes or the bag or whatever, so I can see the whole process and I have control over the whole process, so I really believe in the product. And so it makes it fun when you can really believe in your product. I think the pendulum has really swung quite a bit. You talked about some in-person marketing, and I like to call that belly-up marketing. But it's interesting because with social media, we almost went like completely away from that, right? COVID and social media was this perfect mix where we almost went away from that in-person marketing. There is nothing sweeter than shaking the hand of someone who's interested in your product. And I think a lot of farm-to-table operations, I see this in the marketing company, they don't want to be on social media. They don't want to show up 
They kind of want to hire all of that personality out and they just don't have as much success as when you're grinding, you're the one answering the phones, you're the one answering the emails, you're the one delivering. Just don't know that we can get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. When I initially got going with it, I thought, well, we'll just do it through social media. I don't know. There's a scripture out there that says something like nobody's a prophet in their own. I can't remember how it goes, but like in your own community, you may not be, I don't know. It's harder to get going maybe in your own community than to people who don't know you. But so I had thought I would just focus on the social media and do that. But then another issue that you run into is the shipping is expensive and it's the boxes are expensive and the liners are expensive and the dry ice is expensive and it's a pain to get it sourced. And so the more you can do just handing them meat, the more money you make, the more profitable you can be. So we looked at that and decided that we would maybe try a little bit locally. Somebody offered us a spot at a farmer's market and we said, okay, well, let's try it out. And we were really successful. And now I want to do as much as I can locally, just because you cut out so much of the hassle, so much of the overhead. So I think the face-to-face beating the pavement, meeting people in person, shaking their hands, being the one who hands them the stuff. People like that. And it's fun for the for the guy doing it too. So I think if you're looking into doing it, you can't discount that. Location-wise, give me an idea about how close you are to Boise. Is that your biggest community? No. So we're about three hours from Boise. We don't do any events up there just because it's so far twin falls is is our probably our biggest um our biggest area but that there's surrounding areas around that and between here and there so we do markets there and today i actually have a drop off in twin falls i got some prime ribs and some last minute christmas stuff i got a drop off today so I think that's one thing we hear a lot is I'm not close to a a big city, so I can't do that in person. But I know that country that you're from pretty well. My dad grew up in Jerome, Idaho, actually, on a pure Charlie operation. And there is a lot of business in smaller towns that I think we overlook. Yeah. Well, and Twin, Twin Falls is still an hour away from where I live in Oakley, so it's not like it's just right there it's an hour it's an hour over there but especially the last few years there have been a lot of people who have moved in from out of state there's a lot there's a lot of potential i think in these smaller to me that twin falls is the big city my where i'm from is like i don't know there's like 800 something people in the city limits so are you trying to find the right planner to start the new year with Look no further. We have created the Cattle Menu Planner for ranch wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking for the perfect place to capture all of their thoughts throughout the year. Our planner is the perfect guide to help you get your operation started. In the Cattle Menu Planner Paving Your Path, you will create the foundation for your operation, set goals, and learn how to implement them. We've included our customer favorite blank calendar pages so you can start when you're ready. Join the waitlist today at cattlemenulive.com backslash planner. To get a sneak peek of some of the new sections in the planner, you can go to cattlemenulive.com backslash preview. 
What percentage do you deliver versus ship? It varies, but I think we're getting to about a third to a quarter of our business is local. We still ship a lot and I will continue to do that. And the good thing about social media is it it grows your potential customer pool exponentially. I mean, you get, we ship to Alaska, we ship to Florida. I got this lady in Florida who buys stupid amounts of meat and she's killing me on the shipping because I have flat rate shipping and she buys it in so much of the time that I'm gonna have to rethink my pricing on that. But like we ship it all over the country. And so it's good to have that op- that option as well. But it's not, I don't think it's required. I think you could build a local business as well. What has the farm to table addition offered to the production side of your guys' business? So we're historically a cow-calf operation ranch. So we sell our calves as weaners, usually five, 500 pounds average probably. And uh, you look at that and you look at who buys those. You, you sell them to people usually in California or Texas or somewhere that have grass that want to put those lighter calves on grass cheaply. And then often those people will turn around and sell them to somebody in a feedlot. And then often those will go to a packer. And then the packer, I mean, there's there's maybe another three or four steps after that before they could end up on somebody's plate. So to be able to eliminate all of those middlemen, that money back home, I think long-term is going to be a good thing for small to medium-sized producers. I absolutely agree. Let's talk a little about social media. You have quite a following on social media. How did you decide to get started on social media? What are some of the things you've learned as you've grown your account? So it started out just kind of keeping track of daily life and being able to share some pictures. And it was kind of like a journal, I guess, just to keep track of what was going on on the ranch and be able to share that a little bit. But as I did it, people took notice, I guess. I started to go a little bit of a following. And it's crazy. It's crazy to look at and see how many people are there and to imagine that I can reach out and talk to that many people. But I think it's a good thing. I think you got to be careful because it takes a lot of time. It can take you away from your family. So it's been it's been a, a process to learn how to compartmentalize and to be able to take time on that and not let it spill over. <laughs> all through all of your life and sometimes i do better at that than others but anyway it takes you can respond to comments all day long if you want and you can do that and there's a happy medium there because some interaction is good that's how you build a a loyal following is by interacting with them and uh, to chat back and forth with them so you got to do you got to do that but at the same time you got to check yourself a little bit what is kind of the best thing that has come from social media and what's the worst? Oh, I think the best thing is maybe the the beef business that I've been able to to launch from there. Say it it gives you an opportunity. Not, it's not as good as in person, not as good as going to a farmer's market, but like I can share what I did today to work on the ranch. I can share what chores I did or how, what I did in the process that provides the meat that I'm selling. And 
I think it's been really good for people. I think there's a hunger out there to know where your food comes from and who produced it and how it was produced and to feel good about feel good about it. Back in the day, you didn't have to worry about that because the farmer was just right over there or it was you or you raised all your own food. But now most people don't. So there's, a, I think, a, a hunger to get back to knowing more about it. Um, as far as negative... I mean, there's always negative comments. Anytime I have a, a reel or whatever go viral-ish or whatever, get a bunch of views, the crazies, they come on. <laughs> I think I have a good personality for that, though, just because it doesn't really bother me. It's more entertaining for me. My wife doesn't love it, though she's getting better at just letting it roll off her, but... I don't know. It, there's definitely a lot, a lot of negativity out there, and you could definitely get wrapped up in it and argue with the trolls. I usually don't. I usually, I don't know, mess with them a little bit and then move on. <laughs> Was it hard to explain to your dad and your uncle what this following, like the potential or why you were filming? I see a lot of people wanting to grow on social media but feeling like, the generation above them or even their siblings won't quite understand having a camera out to like talk about how that conversation came up well i mean before we had launched the beef business they had seen me out videoing a little bit and i to be honest i still am a little self-conscious about doing it like it's not like it's easy for me to get up there and talk to my phone i hardly ever talk to my phone if people are around just I, i'm just I don't know. I need to be better at that and just let it all go. But it's it's out of my comfort zone to do that. So, I mean, I don't know that they completely get it yet, but I think that they, they see the potential there and they see the opportunity. And now, I mean, we've sold a lot of beef and we've done a lot of things. And I think that the proof is in the pudding, I guess, as they say. Absolutely. It is such a disconnect, right? And... It's hard even for me to sometimes explain to my family what the power of social media is because it's almost like we don't really know. I mean, we see the Taylor Swifts of the world, right, where they can change the whole economy because of the following. But it's hard to bring that back down and say, like, because I'm sharing, because I'm on my phone, the return is going to be X, Y, and Z because it's such an untapped market. And in agriculture, we you know, are a little older school on some of the mentalities. And so I know a lot of people struggle with that. I, I hate talking to the camera in front of people. Even if someone pulls up next to me in their vehicle, I get self-conscious. Yep. Yeah. And the, the hard part is it's not like you start doing it and you're all of a sudden seeing the results and seeing the, the good that comes from it. You got to do it for a while. You got to stick with it for a while before there's any benefit. You just do it. <laughs> You do it and look like an idiot for a while, and eventually, if you do it long enough, there's there's results. But it takes it takes some time. It's not like you just immediately start talking to your phone and there's results. What platform works the best for you in sharing? So Instagram is where I've kind of done most of it. I've done most of it on Instagram, but I hurt my back like back in March, and I. Uh, I was just sitting around. I couldn't work. I was laid off for a few weeks there. And so I was like, well, I might as well explore these other 
platforms. And so I started posting my, if I made a reel on Instagram, I posted it on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. And actually in the last year, my Facebook account has grown way more. I mean, I went from zero back then to, I think it's at like 94,000 followers on there. So Facebook has grown really well. I don't love Facebook as much as I like Instagram, but it's, I guess, like you say, there's so much potential there that it's hard to ignore it. So to be able to just repost the videos that I make on one platform on the others and almost double my reach over the last year, it's kind of hard to overlook that. TikTok, I've never really got TikTok. I don't, I, I don't do as well on there. I think I have 11,000 followers on there. So it's, it's okay, but I don't know. I guess I'm too old for, for TikTok, but it's all good. I, if you're going to make a video and you're going to post it, it takes maybe five, 10 minutes to repackage it on another platform. So I would say if you're trying to grow on social media, I wouldn't just stay with one platform, even if that's where you do most of your stuff. I do still just do most of my stuff on Instagram, post it in the others, and I interact a little bit, and it's grown my reach substantially. Yeah, that's interesting about Facebook. I'm a huge believer that Facebook is a great marketing platform and it gets a lot of backlash. A lot of people think it's outdated and old and I just see so much success marketing, especially for clients on Facebook. And so I love that you mentioned that it's been really working for you at the moment. Yeah. The other good thing about Facebook versus Instagram is they pay ad revenue similar to YouTube. So if you, if you're, once you hit, I think you have to have 10,000 followers, but once you hit that, you can be monetized and there's ad revenue for your reels. So anyway, yeah. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Facebook at this point. I, I wasn't doing anything and then now I am and I like it. Yeah, I think it's overlooked and I think it shouldn't be overlooked because it has so much potential in helping market businesses. Yep, I agree. excited to announce our first ever She's a Hand Ranch Camp Horseback Edition. On June 14th through 16th, we'll be hosting 14 women to cultivate their cattle handling skills from horseback. We'll spend one day working in the arena, one day in the backgrounding lot, and one day gathering cattle in summer country. Attendees will provide their own horses and tack. We're accepting applications now through the form linked below. Once your application has been reviewed and accepted, you will have 48 hours to secure your spot. Talk a little bit about where you guys want to be. What are some of the things you're moving forward and some of your goals for 2024? So I, I've mentioned how much I like doing stuff locally. I'm going to continue to try to grow my local our local business with Hat Brand Beef. Um, I think, as I said, it it's less overhead. It's less, I mean, it costs less for me to drive to Twin Falls to hand off beef for an hour, whatever, than it does to ship one box to Salt Lake, which is like four hours away. So it's it makes sense to do it locally. So I'm going to continue to push that. The other big thing I see in the direct to consumer sales that is big is subscriptions. The more subscriptions you have, that just stabilizes your shipping. I mean, 
you're going to have a lot of new people, especially as you're getting going, you're going to have people trying it out and they're not going to necessarily want a subscription on their first purchase. But once you get them on subscription, they get a box of beef every month or every two months and they've kind of set it and forget it. And they're always excited when it comes and it's just takes the pain away. So I think the more subscriptions that we can set up, the better. So that's another one I'll be working on. I mean, we're going to try to up our social media game a little bit for hat brand beef. We're going to get a little, we're going to hire a little bit of help to help us with that just to make sure that we're consistent and, and keeping a consistent message and having thought behind our message. It's tough. My wife and I, we have six kids and between the rancher Ryan page pages and the hat brand beef pages, that's a lot of work and it's a lot of content and it's a lot of creative thinking that, Sometimes when you've been chasing kids at junior high basketball and wrestling and then peewee football or what's up, I mean, there's a million things and you may not come home and feel like I can be creative. So we're going to hire a little bit of help there just to help us with some of that just so we can keep the, keep the consistency. So those are a few of the things I'm working on. That's exciting. I always tell people creating content and having enough content is the hardest part of marketing. Yeah. saying and we've tried to keep, cause I, I have the Rancher Ryan page and that is a funnel towards Hat Brand Beef. But if Hat Brand Beef is just Rancher Ryan Jr., then I, I feel like you're not going to attract new customers. So we've tried to have the Hat Brand page have a different voice have my wife have all I, I record stuff but then I give it to her and she puts it out in her voice and in her style and so but it's 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 a lot it's a lot it's a lot of videoing it's a lot of thinking <laughs> yeah it's a lot of material and I think being honest and realistic about that helps you know anyone who's interested in getting into the business because it's more than just producing good beef, which is hard enough on its own, right? To make sure they're finished properly. But it's also being kind of front and center and and being loud about your product and very consistent, which is the hardest part. Yep. And like I said earlier, you're going to be more expensive because it's it's expensive to produce, well, to, to process beef, especially at a small scale. You can't even come close to competing with how cheaply the packers can process an animal it's so much more expensive to do it in small batches and to do it custom to how you want it and then to have your custom labeling on it and then your shipping and the all of the things it's going to be more expensive and you have to price it more expensive but ideally you've also been careful with your quality control so it's worth what it costs but so that's that's a hurdle to overcome and it's not like you throw out $10 a pound of hamburger and people are like, oh, I should try that because that's way more expensive than the grocery store. But then the people try it and they're like, oh, this is a different, it's almost a completely different product. So you have to be out there selling that and helping people see that and teaching people along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get into our rapid fire questions. These don't have to be rapid fire answers. So if you need a minute to think about them, you're more than um, welcome to do that. The first one probably is pretty easy. What's your favorite cut of steak and how do you like to eat it? Ribeye is probably my favorite, though I enjoy, 
I enjoy all steak. I prefer it on the rare side of medium rare. I think the best way to cook it is a reverse sear. I like to put it on my Traeger at like 225 and bring it up. I like to pull it at like 118, 119, rest it for a minute, and then sear it, and then eat it. That sounds delicious. I'm going to have to try that way. I like cooking a ribeye on a Traeger, so I'll try to lower the temp a little bit and sear it on the cast iron. Yep. Um, what is an ag industry topic that you think needs talked about more often? Um, <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. Let's circle back to that one. I'll, I'll marinate on that one. Okay, great. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Well, what did Dwight Schrute say on The Office? He said, don't be an idiot. He said, it hurts my feelings every time. But I think to myself, would an idiot do that thing? And if so, I don't do that thing. I don't know. I, I'm bad at the rapid fire questions. That's yeah. fine. I think, that, I think that's yeah. a great thing to think about. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your non-career dream job? Like outside of what I currently do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like sales a lot. Of course, I've kind of developed a sales job for myself here, but for years there was no sales. I do like to do sales. So I guess my dream job is just anything I can do that has me talking to people and helping them find solutions to their needs. I like sales as well. My dad always says I could sell ice to an Eskimo. And I think it's really interesting when you're a small business owner, you are in sales. Even if you don't want to be in sales, that's your job. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think as I'm raising my kids, I'm trying to think of ways to help them to develop some of those skills. Because I think if you can sell something, you're going to be okay. No matter what the economy is, no matter what what is happening, if you can take a product and sell it to somebody, then you're going you're gonna to make it. Absolutely. Okay, we're back to the one, the topic about what you think needs talked about more often. I think that people need to do more to show the real side of ranching and farming. And like, it gets so sugared up. And I mean, I don't want to knock on anybody what they're doing, but I th feel like everybody shows, and I do it too. I mean, I show a romanticized version of what's happening. And I think more real talk about, about the, the cow that died or the whatever. I mean, the, the bad stuff, the stuff that is real and is part of raising livestock. I had a post a little while back about a cull cow. I just, I shared that we were going to cull this cow She's in bad shape. And I got so much hate about how we should just give her some medicine, take her to the vet and do, put her on grass, <laughs> let her just live out her life in retirement on the ranch. But that's not how a ranch works. A ranch has to make money and a cow that can't produce cannot stay on a ranch if the ranch wants to stay in business. And so that cow is going to be taken to slaughter. And to me, of course, I was raised with it, so it doesn't bother me. We honor and respect the cow for what she's done, but she's still a cow. And her purpose is still to provide food and to provide a living for my family. So I feel like more sharing about the hard stuff, the things that, the things that aren't flashy, and the days that suck. 
Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. This has been a great conversation. Where can our listeners find you on social media? So at Rancher Ryan on YouTube, uh, well, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, if you're interested in our beef, you can go to hatbrandbeef.com and everything we sell there is dry aged and single animal sourced and packaged and sent by myself and my family. And your six kids. And my six kids. Yeah. Sometimes we send a thank you note. Well, we always send a thank you note with each order and often we'll circle the kids around and they'll write thank you notes. So some people have gotten some pretty interesting <laughs> thank you notes. My five-year-old, he always likes to add a picture. So I can't vouch for what's the content of all of those pictures, but there's some interesting things that get drawn at my house, I have to say. Use your imagination when you receive a thank you note. We're very real. We understand all the things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time today. We'll include all of your social media handles in the show notes for our listeners to go and follow along with your journey. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks again for listening to the Cattle Menu Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember, the grass is greener where you water it.